1: Welcome along to episode 587 of The Millbar. Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from Neil Curtis about his latest work, replacing clothes with paint. We'll find out about the Ra festival that's coming up in October and how they'll be launching their top acts very, very soon. We talked to Mikey Johnson over at Jungle Land to find out how they're getting on with their opening and their COVID secure measures, making sure you can have fun in the world of the jungle just down the road. Also, we'll be hearing from Karen Fleming about her motivational teaching, which includes equine work. On top of that, Carl Williams lets us know about what's going on with his boxing and kickboxing. And also, we'll be having a chat with Alex Styles about his photography and seeing what's happening in his world. That's all coming up on this week's show. Google land in Telford has reopened its doors in a COVID secure way. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Mikey Johnson. Hello.
0: Hello. How are you going? How are you
1: doing? I'm good. I trust we find you well.
0: Uh, all well here. All good. Yeah. All uh, excited to be back open.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, I see you have uh, a couple of friends behind you.
0: I do. I'm joined by Geraldine the Giraffe. Uh, she's here at safari land, Crazy Golf. Uh, we've got elephants. We've got snakes. Uh, yeah, we're uh, very excited to be able to open our the Fireland Crazy Golf, as well as the whole of Jungleland.
1: So uh, tell us a bit more about Jungleland for those who haven't already uh, seen or heard about it.
0: Absolutely. So we are a giant uh, family entertainment centre predominantly in uh, soft play. We have three huge soft play areas, the massive giant soft play for all the family. We have our dedicated under fives area. And we have our dedicated under twos area as well. Um, we have a sensory room with our under twos area that's not quite open yet. Uh, we're waiting for the government guidelines on that one. But yeah, we're giant soft play. We have our Safari Land Crazy Golf as well. Uh, we also have our Laserland Arena, which again isn't quite open yet. It is all safe and secure. We've made it COVID secure now. Uh, we're just going to be waiting a few more weeks to make sure we've got all the balls rolling here with Jungle Land first, and then hopefully Land will be opening up shortly. But yeah, three attractions under one big roof, and uh, we're one of the biggest in uh, the Midlands.
1: Yeah, and as we head towards the half-term holidays in October, obviously you'll be uh, increasingly busy, and the, and the fact that you have a roof really does help, particularly as we head towards the winter months.
0: Definitely, yeah. We're the perfect day out, especially on those wet and windy days of course when it's sunny out and you want to get a little bit of shade as well we're perfect for that because we're open all year round every day except for Christmas Day and New Year's Day but um, yeah October half term it's a fantastic week we are very popular then this year will be of course a little bit different we have now a brand new booking system in place because we're running at a limited capacity uh, to go with the government guidelines, of course. So it will be a little bit different for visitors who have visited before this year. Um, it will be a slightly, it's always organised, but it's an organised chaos here at Jungleland. it feels like sometimes. But <laughs> it'll be a, a slightly calmer, more relaxing uh, organised chaos uh, this October half-term.
1: Yeah, and that is part of the fun, isn't it? I mean, the families, when they come down, they need to behave responsibly. I take it there'll be mask wearing taking place too?
0: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So we have uh, lots of COVID control measures that we've put in here uh, at Jungleland, of course, based on all the government guidelines. We've not only followed every single guideline in our 30 pay documents to the T, uh, but we've added a few of our own as well just to make us extra safe and secure so customers uh, feel safe uh, whilst they're here. So adults and children over the age of 11 will need to wear masks uh, when they arrive at Jungleland. They can indeed take them off when they're sat down at the table but whilst they're wandering around, maybe over to the train, to the cafe, we ask that adults wear masks. We've got multiple hand sanitizers. Again, the government asked us to put uh, one at reception and one in front of each attraction. We've uh, we've gone a little bit extra and put up 26. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's no queuing for hand sanitizer.
0: That's what no counts. No queuing for hand sanitizer. We wanted to make it sure that no one needs to go more than five paces without feeling their hands are nice and clean. So we've got masks, we've got hand sanitizer, uh, we have um, temperature checks again. Something that the government didn't ask us to do, but it's something that we just want to make sure that our customers really do feel safe here at Jungleland. We have our temperature checks that we check all the staff uh, who are also in PPE as well throughout uh, their time working each shift. They're wearing their masks or visors, um, but we yeah we uh, take temperature of all the staff and we take the temperature of every single member of the public that comes and visits us as well. We have put in one way systems uh, where we can as well, not only um, in the main area of jungle land, we have our uh, social distancing floor markers that we're all used to nowadays, We seem to be uh, becoming second nature to us, but we've also um, implemented a a one-way system ish throughout our equipment now we understand kids will be kids it's not always easy to get them to social distance and follow one-way systems um, but again to go with government guidelines with what the uh, government have advised, advised us to do to be safe secure whilst reopening we've actually um, invested quite a lot within our playframes creating new entrance and exits lots of new signage and uh, of course having lots of arrows to suggest that this way is up and that way is down and that way is left and that way is right. <laughs> Just to try and give a little bit of an easier flow and it is easy because obviously we are running on a strictly limited capacity so people always think of a soft play centre as their idea of hell because there's too many children <laughs> yeah. and they are all running around but we are like I say as safe and secure as possible, we've had fantastic reviews so far um, and like I say, it, you can't go five meters without having hand sanitizer or seeing one of our COVID secure signs. They're all bright green, whether it be floor markers, arrows, signage. They're all bright green with a nice big royal line paw on it, so you know exactly what it is. You know all the instructions, which toilets to use, which ones not to use, which way to go, where to wait. And yeah, it makes us fully compliant and uh, the reviews have been great so far.
1: But still fun. That's the thing. And if you mentioned some of the, the, the play areas and that's I mean, we've done all the serious stuff. But what's your favorite bit when you like to be able to play when the doors are closed?
0: I mean, we are lucky enough to have the Jungleland Express train. And I would be lying if I say I haven't had a sneaky go on it now and again. <laughs> um, it's definitely a feature here at Jungleland every child that comes into jungle land and parent if you want to have a go uh, gets to have a ride on the jungle land express train and again we have put in our COVID secure measures there as well uh, we have followed what all the uh, Merlin attractions have done with their ride systems it's uh, one family per carriage and um, we'd make sure there's a gap in between each one so yeah we've really gone uh, you know whole hog when it comes to making sure every inch of this building is uh, safe and secure and COVID secure but like you say, Jason, fun as well.
1: Yeah, that's the important thing. And uh, yeah, fun is the order of the day. It's doing it safely so everyone can join in and have a fantastic time. Where do we find Jungle Land and where can we see the website? So then check out the attractions before they arrive. And of course, the all important booking that's needed now.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So Jungle Land, we are here at Interchange House, which is in Trench Lock in Telford, just next door to Hadley we're easy to find anywhere in the midlands Really, we have like lots of customers coming from all around the midlands uh you just get off, off the m50 uh, m54 and then uh you find us on the a442 but our postcode is tango fox rock sierra zulu and that any sat nav will take you right to our front door our website is www.junglelandtelford.com and on there, you will be able to find our brand new booking system. It works as a reservation system, just like uh, when you're going to a, uh, a cafe or a restaurant and you're booking your table. So we don't take online bookings, you're uh, more than likely to pay when you arrive to jungle land so it's more like a reservation service just whilst we're running in this covid secure way and again that's at junglelandtelford.com
1: and of course if you do reserve make sure you turn up or go in and cancel it so somebody else can go along and have a fantastic day at jungle land
0: yeah definitely there's a little cancellation button there as well so there's no excuse if you don't want to turn up i understand that sometimes uh kids can uh uh, can change their mind of what they want to do or they've, they've mis- misbehaved so you don't want to bring them anymore <laughs> uh, there's a little button it's really nice and easy um if not we've got your contact details so we'll be ringing you
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, just to make sure all is well yeah definitely, definitely. well uh, have a fantastic time down there and, and so we know you enjoy playing with the attractions when you can meanwhile you're going to be rather busy with the uh, the, the people who are coming down to have a fantastic time at jungle Land in telford Mikey johnson thank you for joining us
2: no, thank you for having
1: me. really appreciate it. Ra is planned as an online festival over eight hours taking place on the twenty fourth of October. There's a huge team of dedicated people behind it. I'm joined by two of them now, Sunita and Bo. Hello to you both.
3: Hi. Hi
1: Who wants to tell me a bit about the uh, the origins of the festival itself?
3: Okay, so obviously, Uh, Ra is an online music festival streaming on the 24th of October and we actually are announcing our headliners on the 26th of September which is coming up really soon and um, the origins of Ra were to do with jazz and her... um, story and the people that she's met her friends and she decided to come up with this festival with so many other people coming together sharing love and wanting to do this out of their own hearts and it's really important to remember everybody behind the scenes and in front of the scenes are all real people we are just ordinary people going along with our lives, coming together to create this magical moment for everybody to share. And when we are raising over a million for, hopefully, for 20 charities. And we really are pushing it. And we've got merch coming out. It's gonna be really amazing, so keep
4: tuned.
1: Okay, we'll keep checking on on the details. We'll give you on so you can find out all about what's happening later on. Uh, But uh, Bo, tell us a bit about the charities you're working with.
4: We're working with um, a couple of bigger ones, but also some really smaller projects, grassroots projects and smaller charities. Um, We are working with the support of Choose Love and Help Refugees, for example. Um, so that's sort of our idea was to really bring together as many people as we could possibly find and as, organi- as many organisations as we could find, um, because we know that we are stronger together than divided. So um, we've got different, well, obviously, we've got different causes that we want to support, but we're really um, eager to support, uh, especially, obviously, we've got a massive migration crisis happening at the moment. so. Um, there's charities that help people affected by forced displacement and um, also racial discrimination is obviously a massive issue, has always been, um, has been more, much more in the press recently, of course. Um, uh, our other causes that we're very passionate about supporting are modern modern day slavery and human trafficking. So all of the charities, the 20 charities we've chosen are um, support those sort of raise awareness for those causes and support people affected by those issues. So we've got um like I said, choose love, help refugees, we've got smaller organizations such as the Snowdrop Project and the School Bus Project, um, a really great organisation called Phone Credit for Refugees. Um, they provide phones obviously and phone credit for refugees so that they can keep in contact with their families which is something that i think you don't always think about that's something that they need um, but it's actually if you look at their um social media that that organization social media and their websites you can see kind of work that they've done and it's actually really important and makes that little difference in somebody's life
1: Mm. and those sort of electronic interactions are how many of us have managed to continue being human during the uh, the time of lockdown that we've seen so actually it's probably brought home to us the vital importance of somebody who, who maybe halfway across the world, halfway across Europe in different uh, uh, refugee institutions, and just being able to, to have a conversation with a loved one. It, you don't lose that love, that link, when you move away. These people are not moving away by choice. So it is one of those charities, like all of these, that are very much hand-selected, to, who are doing the best they can for a large group of people.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, we are in constant contact with all of the people who run these organisations, um, And we've got some incredible people who work with us at RAW, who run these organisations as well. Um, So we've also uh, had a lot of conversations with them, for example, in our Monday Motivations, which we um, obviously have every Monday, (laughs) where we talk to um, some of these people, such as the Worldwide Tribe, for example. Um, Yeah, so we we talk to them as much as we can as well, just to keep... Keep
1: in touch. Well, Fest is going to be huge. And uh, Sunita, obviously, you've alluded to the the large group of people working together on this and and, and what is going to happen here. The artists are a big part of it. And so the headliner is still to be announced. But what do we know so far about this 8-hour music lineup?
3: So we know that it's going to be massive and we can be really excited to see what's going to come. Obviously, the headliners are going to be announced on the 26th of September. So, we'll be able to see a bit more about who is going to be announced. But we can tell you that it's going to be some really big people. And they've got some big followings on YouTube or on Instagram, and so it's going to go massive.
1: So a big event, absolutely huge, fantastic people involved, fantastic people behind the scenes. I already know that. I've met you two on Zoom, so we know it's going to be good. So, uh, the all-important information then, how do we get involved? How do we donate? And uh, what's the best way of keeping track of everything? Uh, Bo, over to you.
4: Um, yeah, okay. So, obviously, um, please find us on socials. So, um, RAFest on Instagram and RAFest2020 on Twitter. Um, we've also got a Facebook page that you can visit, uh, RAFest2020. And please uh, find our donation link in um, on all those sites as well. Um, we're under justgiving.com um, slash, um, slash campaign rafest fund. So um, please, you can start donating now. Um, we're aiming to get most of our donations in donations in during the festival um but please start now because we've got we've got lots of exciting stuff coming up that we want to make happen we
3: have our bike ride which jazz and a few other people are going on at the moment so if you can put some anything towards that and help them on their journey that would be so amazing
1: Oh, absolutely brilliant work from the whole organisation, R-A-A-H is the spelling on that one, you'll need that for the Insta and all the other socials, as well as uh, being able to get online and get uh, sort of uh, virtual tickets as, as such, get yourself into the right place for the festival that takes place on the 24th of October. A brilliant line of music eight hours of festival and it's going to be absolutely awesome i know for now Bo and sunita thank you for joining us
3: thank you so much thank you so much
1: alex styles is known for his work in photography he's photographed many a person uh, all of whom seem to have got away pretty much unscathed he joins me now to tell me more about his work hello how are you doing? You okay? I'm good, thank you. And uh, you do all sorts of photography from landscape through people, uh, products, and uh, that must be a- an interesting world, but uh, one where you never know what you're going to be looking at next.
5: Well, that's it, yeah. We do specialise in a range of different styles of photography, really. It um, could be anything, mainly people related, so whether it's portrait photography in the studio or we specialise in a lot of event photography, for kind of commercial. Clients, corporate gigs, awards, these things like that. So, I'd say a lot of it, like 70%, is kind of people related, which um, has obviously been a bit strange at the moment with everything being locked down. But um, yeah, we do do a, a bit of products and things there as well, just, just on the side. But yeah, a lot of it is generally quite people related, usually.
1: Yeah, but you, you need a longer lens these days to be able to uh, get the same close ups as you may have done in the past, possibly.
5: Well, that's it, yeah. It's just completely changed, really. Um, Especially with the event side of things, you know, we had a lot of events planned out for the whole year this year and from the drop of a hat everything kind of just got cancelled so that was like from a business point of view a bit of a shock, a reality check really but I think that's where it is good to have sort of other avenues with the photography you know so you can branch into other markets when things like this may occur I guess. But-
1: Obviously, everybody these days with their camera phone thinks they're a fantastic photographer. They've got a a high pixel density on the phone and they really often don't get, because you can take some fab phone pictures, but they don't get what it's like to compose a picture and put it into uh, a a camera which has got a, a fantastic lens system and can really capture all those little bits of light.
5: I think that's the thing. You know, we get it a lot. You know, camera phones are getting better every day and things and... The reality is, is like you say, it's, again, having someone behind the camera. You know, I've turned up to so many weddings where we've obviously been the wedding photographer and then guests are like, oh, can you just get a photo off phone? And some of the photos, they're like cropping out the feet and they're not composing quite right in camera. And you forget how much of it is, obviously, like the photographer actually directing and taking and composing that shot, like you say. Um, even with camera phones, though, I say a lot of our work is specialised with, with the lighting setups you know, and, and lighting is so key, as you can probably see in this video where <laughs> we're at the moment, um, not very flattering, but yeah, so I think a lot of it, people don't understand sometimes, especially with portraits, like how key the lighting is really, and how you are controlling that light, so I guess depending on what you're photographing, for me, with portraits especially, like the lighting is even more important than the camera itself, you know.
1: And this has to be quick turnaround sometimes as well because if you're working on an event where you're photographing people coming in, you might have a group of celebs who don't really want to hang around because there's going to be enough people papping them with their camera phones later on in the evening while they're trying to eat canapes. But you'll get people coming through and it'll be set up in an area, maybe with a bit of a prop behind them to show them what the event is and then turn that into something which is going to be a, a memory of the night and you are creating the bit that people talk about afterwards because without that, it is just a load of sloppy camera phone pictures, which really can't be used on a website or uh, yeah, if, if anything other than maybe Instagramming your food.
5: I think that's it. I think it's just giving people that professional image for their company or brand. And obviously photography, especially these days with the social media channels, like you say, Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and all these different channels that big businesses are utilising, if you're sticking kind of iPhone photos on there, then you're sort of devaluing your brand instantly, really. So I think that's where... Again, people like us can come in and and create something kind of amazing to capture that evening or event or whatever it might be in the best kind of light possible.
1: And and literally the best light possible, it means turning up with uh, uh, a load of rigging for that. And uh, so that is where a big part of the money is not only your time being there, using the skill that you have, framing a picture and making sure you're getting the absolute best out of it, but then taking that light turning it into something which can be shared globally and look impressive on, on the stage and that can be what makes a, a product or an event stand out can't it?
5: Oh definitely yeah I think people really don't understand like what goes into maybe sort of rocking up to an event and shooting it as professional as possible you know say to a lot of our clients you know we'll get some when we're quoting some of like well it's a bit out of our price range some like you know yeah it's, it's, it's bang on and they don't realise you're rocking up with like 20 grand's worth of gear and 12 years experience, you know, so that's the reality of it is like we always invest heavily in the equipment that we're using. A lot of people say it's not the equipment. of Tog for well. It kind of plays hand in hand, you know, if you haven't got the right equipment to do the job, especially if you're in a low light environment, then you, you're not going to really stand yourself a good chance of getting the best photos. So we've always invested heavily in like the very best equipment to get the job done.
1: And uh, because I mean, the, the the sort of large area image film that we used to get, and even 35mm, I mean, that was a lot better than the digital cameras when they first came out, but now these things can get finer detail than you could ever possibly have hoped for on film, even at the the chemical level on, on some of the larger formats. So, uh, you know, with what you can do now, it is just absolutely amazing, isn't it?
5: It is amazing. I mean, obviously, I went to university and got a degree in photography, and it's going back a few years now, but they basically taught us sort of the darkroom process shooting on film, and you will actually be amazed if you had a good digital negative scanner, you can actually get a really high res still out of a 35mm film strip, but obviously, you just haven't got the capabilities of being able to kind of overshoot in a way, because you know, on an old sort of film, 35 mil, you're talking 36 shots and you're kind of putting another film in. So I think the benefit for digital, like you say, is getting better in terms of the pixels and the quality, but actually a 35mm full-frame sensor is actually the same as a 35mm film camera in a way. If you had a good neg scan, you could still blow that neg up to the same size as a digital, which, again, a lot of people don't maybe realise. So it's not necessarily the quality there, but it is more of the element of the tech that you have in the camera where you can kind of control the exposures and obviously you can shoot a thousand images on a card and, and the benefits of pinging it to your phone via Wi-Fi and all these kind of extra little things that, that the camera will obviously benefit you mm-hmm. with.
1: And it's a speed of the turnaround of that process as well. I mean, in the past, if you were doing a wedding, you'd have, uh, it'd have been a good while before you could have even have the rush shots through with the contact prints to take a look at these days you can do that much faster. And before you know it, possibly by the end of the reception, even some, I'm not suggesting you do should do that, but it could be possible to do it by the end of the reception.
5: To be honest, yeah, sometimes we've had even clients ask. Um, a lot of our weddings, we shoot two photographers who have got a completely separate company set up for two dudes wedding photography for the weddings, which I do with another guy called Greg. And, and we've even had it before where brides have asked us to uh, display some of the photos from the day on the evening do so the guests could see. So, we've had a laptop, you know, when they have their wedding breakfast, I've been sitting down, running through the images, maybe pulling 20, 30 images, giving them a quick edit, and then they want a slideshow for their evening guests. So, like you say, turn around definitely for weddings, um, people want the images straight away. But again, same from the commercial point of view, you know, we've again done that on the fly where we've been shooting an event and they've been like, we need your photos to go on our live. Uh, Twitter feed straight away, so um, some of the capabilities in the cameras we've got is the beauty, you can shoot, ping it straight to your iPhone, do a little quick edit on it, send it to the client and they use using it on a Twitter feed within like 10 minutes of that event literally just happening.
1: Yeah, the mobile version of Photoshop is your friend and uh, you can enhance what you've got there, but unless you've got it there in the first place, you can't enhance it to where you need it to be, which is why you need someone like Alex. Alex, give us all the details of where we can find you and book your services, even if you are having to be creative in making it look like people are stood closer to each other when they're not.
5: Yeah, that's it, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I've been based in Wolverhampton for the last 12 years. Um, yeah, any kind of commercial, wedding photography, family portraits, sort of any type of photography, really. If anyone's looking for anything, then uh, yeah, we have a studio in Wolverhampton. Uh, if you just Google me, Alex Styles, our website should come up at the top. And um, yeah, just get in touch and let us know uh, what you need.
1: Alex, great speaking to you, nice to have a natter, and we're looking forward to seeing more of your photographic work online soon.
5: Cheers, Jase, all the best, mate.
1: Carl Williams has kept up his boxing training throughout the whole of lockdown and all the other stuff that he does as well. He joins me now to tell me more about where we are at the minute. Hello, sir. How
6: are you doing? You okay, yeah?
1: I'm good, sir. So, what is going on? Because we- you're normally involved in more than one sport, aren't you?
6: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm still running the gym, I'm still running the kickboxing, and the boxing, and, and staying busy with that and getting people back to back to normal as as I keep saying, back to training, um, what they love to do. And I'm training myself and getting ready for a big fight. So. Yeah, so, so good what good.
1: fights have been on at the moment? Because it has been a little limited, hasn't it?
6: Yeah, I mean, we're we're back from running uh, Eclipse. Um, you know, all classes are functioning really well. Of course, with a limited amount of numbers and, and keeping everyone safe and. And doing things at social distance, but we, we, we've got an incredible facility to, to, to provide that for our members. So we worked very hard through lockdown. Lockdown was very busy for, for myself and Fran because we uh, renovated the club and, and, and made something for our members to come back to that they'd be proud of. Um, so we used the time to, to really um, revamp the gym, mm-hmm. uh, both kickboxing and jiu-jitsu and boxing areas. Um, and, and we also looked at different ways of training our members. Uh, which was quite exciting, man. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a fun challenge. So, so you know, you can look at this lockdown as uh, and and this whole uh, COVID thing as, as negative at times, and, and and there was negative times for myself and fan, But we um we came up with new ideas and how to coach our members in a social distance way, and if anything, it's probably made our, our centre better. It's probably made our our teaching better. So it's it's been good. And then with training as well, that's been as normal.
1: Yeah, so Wells, loads of people have been putting on weight during lockdown. You've been working on the six pack and making sure you're ready for your next bit of uh, combat. And uh, what's actually happening there? Because they say you've got a big fight on the way?
6: Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm on the 26th uh, next uh, next week, a uh, week yesterday. I fought Charlie Edwards, former world champion, uh, um, flyweight. He stepped off two divisions to the bantamweight and he's hot on his opponent. So he's, he's the big name. He's the big star. Um, I'm just a, an opponent to him as such, but I'm going there to support the party.
1: So uh, is there a chance that uh, if you are successful in this that you'll be uh, moving on to even more bigger and better things?
6: Well, you know, he's, he's world well ranked, so I'm not even world well ranked at all. So, you know, if, if we go and beat Ethan, when we do go and beat Charlie, we, we take his ranking. And, and then we're on to world level and, and that's just a massive, massive, massive change in my, in my career.
1: Um, yeah, so yeah, basically, to, to be able to get into the ranking status, you have to beat somebody who uh, is already within that structure?
6: Yeah, well, well, somewhere that's at least on the verge of, of world ranking level uh, to put yourself into that, that, that barrier. But he's, he's, he's well up there last year. He's watch world champion. He's just relinquished his belt. So he's, he's carried his world ranking through So, with a very, very strong governing body in the WBC. So, um, you know, we beat him. And we're, we're very highly ranked, which is very exciting.
1: And with what you're doing when you're bringing people in to uh, to train and to maybe get themselves onto the same uh, rungs of the ladder to uh, international success. I mean, it, it must be great to, to see people coming through and starting to pick up on this and, and the sort of opportunities that, that you've had, uh, you're able to extend to others.
6: Listen, every day we have people come through with different, different requirements that they're, that they're coming to us for. Some are losing weight, some want to build confidence, and some are struggling with bullies at school. We had one of those yesterday. Some are just want to generally get fit. Some people want to go to that level and, and go to a high sport and, and, and go to the heights of, of, of wanting to compete at a high level. And we've got the experience here to do that. I mean, um, we have our, our bully buster system in place. We, we obviously have our, our kick fit classes and our, our fitness sessions, and we also have our technical and, and our advanced kickboxing where and boxing where we can take them through. And we we have competitors all the way from the, the age of like. Nine, ten, all the way, all the way up to, to adults, um, from, from amateur level to to professional level, and and it's something that we're we're we've got so much experience in being two former world champions in, in kickboxing ourselves. of have i a former world uh, English champion in professional boxing, so when people do come to us, they feel safe, uh, that they're that they're in good hands, and that and they know that uh, we come from a successful um, batch as such. So I, I'm I'm successful from Eclipse in the kickboxing side of things, and and I'm building success in the boxing now. So uh, people come to us and, and know that they're coming to an a accredited school. Really. We call it a school of excellence in every field. That's that's our new thing now. We we, we believe we are a school of excellence where we, we excel in every area that we, we, we enter. Yeah. Whether, that be, so whether that be kickboxing, whether that be boxing, and and I'm still leading the front for that. I'm still I'm still leading the front for the boxing. Uh, obviously, fun fought last year in the kickboxing showed that we're still on top in the in the kickboxing as well. So, you know, um, we, we're still leading the way, but it's it's about that new generation coming through as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And is it unusual to be successful in both kickboxing and boxing, uh, or is it uh, something which often goes hand in hand?
6: It's uh, it's it's, uh, it's becoming more common now. There's a lot more kickboxers switching over to boxing. Uh, many years ago, they used to say that kickboxers couldn't box. I think the game has really developed in, in that sense. It's probably, probably lost a little bit of its art in the kicking form because people have started to focus more on the boxing. But there's more and more kickboxers now that that are um, that are improving and uh, in the boxing of and, and going on do well. Chad Silverton for the British title over there. Brad Foster, a friend of mine, is uh, undisputed uh, British and Commonwealth champion. You have to give him credit for that. Um, as much I'd love to, to to get on with him in the ring, mm-hmm. he's he, he, you have to give him credit for what he's done from coming from a from a kickboxer, amateur world champion, kickboxer to 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 a professional unified British and Commonwealth champion. You have to give him credit, and um, you know there's a fair few there's a fair few kickboxers now that have turned over that are showing that kickboxers can box as well. So that's another reason to get your children into kickboxing young because boxing clubs don't start um, bar us. Boxing clubs don't tend to start kids until the age of nine or ten. We start at an age of four or six, just like our kickboxers. And we feel like it will give them the edge down the line. Um, but I know uh, we've got guys that come from other boxing clubs that train train, or well, the kids at boxing clubs that bring their kids to us into the kickboxing world things because they want to uh, give them that kind of head start in the, in the sport.
1: Well, obviously, lots of work going on there. Where can people find you, and how do they get in touch?
6: Um, just... Twitter uh, 92core, um, CoreBoxerUK UK on Instagram, uh, Kyle Williams on um, on on Facebook, uh, and then obviously you should follow me through BCB or even Eclipse Kickboxing. You can follow me through there. There's a lot of outlets that I'm on. So I'm, I'm quite lucky to to see boxing on Facebook, and then of course then we we're, we're fighting on BT Sport next week, so if you can tune in and, and watch what I expect to be a very entertaining fight. Tune in.
1: Yeah, well, core K-A-W, if you're looking for that. And BT Sport, good luck for the fight. I assume I'm allowed to wish you luck. I'm not sure what you do in the world of boxing. I know in theatre you can't uh, wish someone luck, but boxing, I think we can, can't we? So good luck with it. Have a fantastic time in the ring and uh, show them what you can do. And I know that you've been working hard to be the best you can be.
6: Thank you so much for that.
1: Just at the moment, many of us need a little bit of motivation. Somebody who spends an awful lot of her working life helping to motivate others is Karen Fleming, who joins me now, hello.
2: Hello, Jason.
1: So first of all, tell me a a little bit about your work because I I know you from your world of HR and anybody who works in HR often has to be Agony aunt or uncle and uh, look after those who they work with. So give us a bit of the background.
2: Yes, so I've worked in learning and development for 18 years and specifically coaching management and leadership coaching and training
1: and with this work you obviously you're interacting with people but also looking at their their needs and there's no such thing as one size fits all when it comes to training
2: that's right yes and and i think that really that's the beauty of of coaching is that uh, we can work on a one-to-one basis with individual clients uh, and works very specifically on their own individual priorities and challenges
1: And at the moment as we talk, uh, you're in the great outdoors and uh, you've got, uh, in in the background I can see on the the video call, uh, a four-legged friend over there. So tell us a bit about how this all ties in with the work that you do.
2: Yes indeed, yes, so um, I launched uh, about uh, ten years ago an equine assisted coaching programme. So basically we work with horses to help people in a coaching environment.
1: And with the interaction of the, the animals as well as where people are coming from in, in their own confidence and what they're looking at doing, uh, you, can, you can really work together as, as a team there and, and certainly uh, you know, it, it adds to the whole experience I'm going to guess.
2: It, it does, absolutely. It takes coaching to a whole new level. So uh, clearly, I do traditional coaching still. And these days, it tends to be via Zoom. Uh, but uh, when we work with the horse, it does, as as you say, it adds a completely new dimension. Horses are incredibly intuitive animals, and they pick up on our, our emotions, they pick up on our anxieties, our our lack of confidence they also pick up on our levels of motivation Uh, and so they make great facilitators they're kind of there if you like as an additional coach
1: it it is uh, about adding something to that experience as well and when you're working with somebody i mean, it, it isn't as we said a one size fits all you are you know, probably a- approached by an individual or company who are uh, looking at coaching either a group of employees or if somebody's just looking at change and developing their way they're working and sort of what is your starting point i suppose it's some getting to know you first even if it is on a zoom call
2: it is absolutely and that's a really good point it's so important because the horses are there as a a a mirror if you like there's an additional tool Uh, but essentially i I am the coach so um an initial 20 minute call with, with a client or potential client just to find out what their issues are and whether actually working with the horses is going to be right for them and right for their situation so that's the the very first starting point and uh, you're um, based
1: in uh, sort of mid Wales and which is where we can see the fantastic scenery around you at the minute and uh, I mean that was great you give a great backdrop as well and taking somebody out of their normal environment and then putting them into a slightly alien yet beautiful world can really help get uh, under the skinner too uh,
2: absolutely you know we're all living in quite challenging and, and stressful times at the moment so to be able to take time out uh, in in peace and tranquility of, of the countryside uh, is 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 really beneficial, uh, and it, you know a lot of people come to me and they they're quite stressed and they're quite hyper and uh, and they, they you know they haven't spent the time just just kind of being at one and and, and being present, and horses require us to work. Uh, in the present moment. They won't, be, uh, they won't cooperate, they won't interact. If you're distracted, if your mind is elsewhere so the very first exercise that we do with the client is a mindfulness exercise that helps them just to relax, just to focus uh, and just to really improve the relationship that, then, that they have with the horse as well. Uh, and what are often the
1: end goals here? Because it, it, again that must vary person to person.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so what face to face, Um, people come to coaching for all sorts of reasons, and they come to coaching with a horse for all sorts of reasons. Uh, So it might be a leadership challenge. So I work with a lot of uh, business leaders and entrepreneurs. But equally, it might be somebody who just has a difficult decision that they they want to make, and they want the horses to help them to make that make that decision. Uh, And also relationship challenges as well, whether that's personal or whether it's professional. Uh, So I've coached a number of people who have uh, challenges with relationships at work. And uh, so working with the horses definitely improves that.
1: So where can people go to find out more about uh, the the work that you're doing, whether it be on Zoom or in a more uh, hands-on real-life environment?
2: So as they'd like to go to the website, www.masksandmirrors.co.uk and there's a range of services there. Uh, the equine assisted coaching programme is called Horse Sense. So take a look and if uh, if you're interested, please do get in touch.
1: Well, Karen Fleming, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the great work you're doing. And uh, I need to check, what is the name of the the horse behind you at the moment?
2: Oh, this is Brandy. He's our... Uh, He's the head of the herd. He's um, very dominant. So he's great at teaching leadership skills.
1: Well, Karen and Brandy, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you, Jason.
1: A while ago, we had a chat with Neil Curtis about his work replacing clothes with paint. That has carried on during the time of lockdown. And he has also been looking at the number of layers of paint he can put onto someone. He joins me now to tell me more about what's been going on. Hello. Hi. So good to catch up with you. And uh, tell me more about the most recent set of work you've been doing.
7: Oh, I've just been to Munich uh, for a week and I met a few people to do body painting there. And it was a very interesting experience because I did not have my studio like I have here. So I had to improvise and I had to work uh, in a way that is uh, a lot more experimental. And um, I actually did uh, a double painting session with uh, uh, two people and two models, and I covered them white. And um, the result is a session style called uh, white shell. Uh, in which I cover the body with a very strong white paint and then we let it dry. And then I crack it uh, away from the body. So it becomes like, becomes like a shell, like a white shell. And then the shell, the person gets out of the shell. You That's, want to see a photograph?
1: We, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. So let's say a photograph. So that,
7: I, so that you can uh, imagine what, what I actually did. For example, this was... Uh, a photo which we made on a tree that was a tree in the forest and um, the models were just lying like uh, aliens or like uh, I don't know, it was a very interesting visual experience to experiment with the tree and with the forest
1: And and yeah, with what you're doing here, you're taking the original concept and putting it into the environment and with the sort of backdrops you're looking at and the quality of the photography that you're doing around these pieces of art, these people become part of an installation, even though it's only momentary that it lasts for, uh, the recording of it is is what makes this a piece of art that can be shared.
7: Yeah, um, I think uh, we, we all live in, in, in the nature to some extent and it's interesting to also use uh, forest or water, um, I made a second session by the way at the Isa River and I painted the person black and then I overpainted the person in the model uh, in, in uh, white and it was also very interesting to see the response from the people because uh, Isar River is very popular, um, we still, people are still in summer feeling, and do not care much about corona, so they get out and they enjoy the the water. And we did the the painting session when we started uh, around about ten o'clock. There was no one there, and then uh, people came and had a look. And I was very happy about the response of the people; they were very curious. And because you know, this is also one of the ideas I, I have with the Replace closest Paint session that I can uh, show the people the, the nudity in an artistic way, an, an artistic nudity, you know yeah, it is, um,
1: it's very much like we see on uh, the, the walls of our uh, art galleries. It's not gratuitous nudity, it is just somebody who happens to be naked. And the way we come into this world and uh, the, the the addition of the paint, you're making them the canvas and, and turning it into a whole new take on the sort of things that we're very used to seeing you know, in, in our art galleries to this day.
7: Yeah, the, the paint is almost like some new clothes and um... There have been people who said I'm actually a fashion designer, <laughs> um, so yes, maybe one day I, <laughs> I will I will do a catwalk with my models. I mean, actually, that would be a really cool idea, um, um, and um, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, I I like to, to to bring art to the people, and I want the people to see. That they do, did not lose anything when they're naked. they have not uh, lost their reputation or their uh, I don't know personality or, or that they lost, lose their job or whatever. Duty you know, is part of life and, and, and especially in the context of, of art, it should be accepted, I
1: think. This is showing off form, it's nothing uh, outside of that, and uh, or, you know, people very often confuse nudity with, with, with sex and it's, this isn't what you're looking at doing here, I don't think. And uh, certainly with the, the way we see these images portrayed, um, it, it, it is about the, the subject and a more of an emotional journey, I think.
7: Yeah, actually, um, many people who participate, uh, at first they are not 100% convinced, and they come to my place sometimes and uh, they are not uh, very self-confident, and they think, oh god, what am I doing here, you know. But then when, when I started working with them, and when they realized, okay, yes, there is some kind of, uh, I don't know, erotic uh, mood in the air or whatever, <laughs> but it doesn't mean sex, you know. And also, once the the, the the model gets covered more and more and more, they realize that it's it's actually a little bit like clothes. So you're not as naked as you would be if you would strip naked now. You know, it's you cannot see the pimples, you cannot see the the, the the skin. You know, everything is covered. But of course, you see the ticket, you see the ass, and and, and the body is still the body. But. Uh, um, in the context of body painting, uh, the nudity, I think, is absolutely necessary. It would be just stupid to not do it that way. And that's why when I look around and I see people doing body painting and then I have to compromise with a bra or, or a slip or whatever, then I always ask myself, why Why do they do this? this is so, uh, it's like I feel ashamed of, of, of myself or whatever. you know. And, and also the people should realize that if they look at the naked body now it's a naked body everyone should be okay with that and um, as far as i know even children uh, usually respond in an absolutely uh, cool way you know they're actually more open than than most of the people who um, perceive my art
1: so what do you have planned next because this series of works which are featuring outdoor the work that you did in munich over there the last week or so uh, I mean, this this is just the start of a, another part of the uh, uh, of the experience, I suppose. Uh,
7: well, I'm always working on projects, and especially when the weather is warm outside, I'm more protective. Because, for example, you could not do such a shooting like I did in Munich in the forest. You couldn't do it in 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 winter, of course. Even though I did, <laughs> I did make painting sessions in winter uh, this January, but that was a, a model which had no feelings, you know, he, he, he had no problem about being uh, in the, in, exposed to the cold air. He's a winter diver, a winter swimmer or something like that, mm-hmm. a really cool model. But uh, what am I doing next? Um, I'm still I'm, I'm working on this Replace Girls Paint project and at the moment I think I'm on number th- 73. And we're, we keep I keep on adding around about every month uh, a session every month, and also it should be possible to um, finish the a, a long pro a project which I started very long ago, and um, it's uh, some kind of book about the ten uh, about the replaced to pain session, so the book is um, about the first ten sessions and it's actually a. Uh, a thank you book for everyone who donated to my project, mm-hmm. who became a supporter, uh, you, when you want to become a supporter just go on my website www.neilcurtis.com mm-hmm. and um, yes and this book should be ready and the book is just the beginning because the project is now at, at 73 uh, sessions so I'm getting more and more closer to the to the, to the end kind of end. And uh, the, there should be a, a, a collection of four books, four books, uh, which uh, show the first quarter, the second quarter, the third, and the fourth quarter. So every, every all of the one hundred sessions should be covered. And the first twenty-five sessions should be a book that I will have to finance somehow, maybe on Kickstarter. I don't know yet. Um, but uh, this is also on the on the track. Oh. And of course, I'm working on a new series where I try to work out how many layers of paint you could paint on a body. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like a very, exper- on very experimental stage at the moment. Uh, I, I cover the, the model in a layer and then in another layer, in another layer, in another layer. And of course, it's a bit difficult because you have to, work, to wait uh, until it's dry. And it's also quite uh, uh, annoying for the model because he has to stand and sit and wait, and and then he feels more layers and more layers and more layers. But I like the idea of of putting a lot of layers on the on the body, and there is the idea of of one day reaching ten layers. We we have not reached ten layers yet. We have reached six layers, uh, and. Maybe in the future it would be a really, really, really interesting experience to do uh, a performance in a gallery, uh, where the people could come and go, and the and the performance takes place uh, one or two days, and the, the, the goal could be to paint someone in 100 uh, layers of paint, and I have no clue how it would look like. You know, <laughs> it would probably be quite thick, or yeah. maybe you could roll roll, uh, roll around uh, in the paint after 100 <laughs> layers. I don't know. I have no clue. But but that could be one of the calls. So I'm, we're, we're working to get closer and closer.
1: Well, it's crazy. It's it's interesting to see the ideas as you mentioned. neilcurtis.com is where you can find out more and uh, subscribe and see the work that you've done so far and uh you on uh, instagram and uh, your facebook pages give you moments of insights into the behind the scenes process nice. as all of these things happen and they great to speak to you thanks again and we'll catch up when you're uh, ready to uh to go 10 layers plus on the paint yeah
7: well we we, we failed last time when we tried 10 layers but well, at least we reached six and on monday there will be a next attempt when we try 10 layers and um Yeah, maybe we will reach 20 later, in two months, I don't know. But the the final goal would be 100 layers. And you know, um, I love the idea of doing performances in front of people and I love the idea of the model exposing itself, you know, himself. And uh, I like the idea of, of people looking at the body in a different way and if you apply more and more and more, it's really interesting. And people could still could sit there and look, or they could come closer. And I don't know. I've not, um, I've not worked that out yet. But so, however, if there is a gallery who wants to support me, <laughs> who thinks that could, this could be an interesting idea to do, get in contact with me as well.
1: <laughs> yep, certainly uh, have a, a chat and see how it can work out. All that can be done through the website. Neil no, Curtis, once again, thank you for joining us.
7: Yes, thank you very much for having me.
1: With pleasure. Thanks a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 588. Next week, I'll see you then. For so now, goodbye from
0: the mill bar. Goodbye from 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 the milk bar, yeah